I don't want the soup today. <laughs> well, I already ate it. Fuck. It made me sick. You know, I feel that's, that's, you know what, that you're right. I feel like I've, I already ate the soup and ignored how bad it smelled. And I've been sick ever since. Hello, I'm Amy Rivers, and this is Eating After Midnight, a podcast where me and my best friend, Sasha Chambers, reheat movies from our childhoods to see if the leftovers have retained their flavor or leave a bad taste in our mouths. It's also about how these movies influenced, inspired, and shaped us. Whether the ideas they cooked up fed us, nourished our bodies and minds, or just rotted our teeth and clogged our mental arteries. Sasha and I are not film scholars, but we do have a genuine love of movies, as well as a beautiful friendship that spans so many years. So many so, years. So many years. So <laughs> many years. So, so many years where unbeknownst to us, we have been collectively living Stockholm Syndrome, because that's how I feel about this rewatch today i feel like i have just woken up from decades of stockholm syndrome amy's been living it with me and um yeah if you grew up with the film that we are covering today being 16 motherfucking candles you too probably have stockholm syndrome if you haven't watched that recent okay so let's just we're going yeah, yeah, we're before, going right, before we even start. Okay, we're we're doing sixteen candles. It came out in nineteen eighty four. It's fucking John Hughes. It's another John Hughes assault. You know what? It stars. Yes. I don't know that it is another John Hughes assault. I think it is the John Hughes assault. Quite frankly, I I agree, and I knew that this one was the worst. I just didn't know how worse worse could be you know i I did not i thought the breakfast club was the worst and okay so i'm going to take us to my first question oh we didn't talk about the cast yet though we don't even fucking matter we don't even fuck it doesn't fucking matter mickey motherfucking mouse could have been in this shit it's (laughs) this is the fucking okay my number one question and we can we don't have to address it immediately but my very first question is amy is this the one is this the film that this whole podcast revolves around? Is this the one film to warp them all? Because it fucking ticks every goddamn box. It is racist. It is misogynistic. It is xenophobic. It is homophobic. It is horrifying. I did think for a moment that this was like the 1980s birth of a nation. I was like, this is it, right? This is the film that they show that you go, oh. That's it. We thought differently way back when. Like this film should be studied for how fucked up it is. So I will answer your question by our usual first question, which is, you know, what was the memory of this in your childhood? And truth be told, girl, I actually didn't see 16 Candles for a long time. I don't think I saw it until I was a teenager. Seriously? Was, yeah. Like the two films that are, are in the canon of, of 1980s childhood that I really never saw. And you're going to scream on both of them. 
16 candles is one of them and et is the other I I'm have it. I am crestfallen. I don't understand. I How know. did you grow up with your mom in the household that you grew up with and never have seen? Wait, you saw Beastmaster, but you didn't see ET? <laughs> I saw Beastmaster so many times. Dude, I they tried were... to give a rewatch to Beastmaster the other night. I am concerned for you. <laughs> what are you talking about, man? <laughs> These the fucking ferrets. I have seen Beastmaster so many times. I think I've seen ET once. And it was like when I was 22 years old. What the fuck? Dead serious. Dead serious. And it was because my boyfriend had the response. My boyfriend at that time um, had the response that you have right now. But going on, 16 Candles was the other one. And I think it was a mix of things. I think that maybe my mom, you know, there's part of me that wants to believe that my mom was like, oh, she's too young for that. But most probably my mom was like, I don't want to watch that. So she's not going to watch it. And no, didn't really see it. So this isn't one of those films that was really in my mind growing up. That being said, of course, there were like moments in it that I had seen clips of or, you know, that were kind of in the world, like, you know, sexy American girlfriend, like everyone knew those. There's certain things from this film that I knew just because everyone would say them at school or I'd watch a clip of it, you know, right. on like MTV. So as much as I hadn't seen it um, when I was super young, I had kind of been part of the collective consciousness that had sucked the honey of this fucking film and just got stung in the face by all the bees. Oh my God. Okay. Because so we'll just briefly. Well, just briefly, do you have the IMDb on it? Yeah, 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 I've got it. Do it, do the thing. Um, a girl's sweet 16th birthday becomes anything but special as she suffers from every embarrassment possible. Yeah. I don't even know. And then on the big poster, there's like super long text. Let me read this. It's the time of your life that may last a lifetime. Samantha Baker is turning 16 and she's fallen in love for the very first time. It should be the best time of her life. But dot, 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 her family is so preoccupied with her sister's wedding, they totally forget her birthday. The boy she loves doesn't know she exists and the class clown is putting the make on her. And dot, 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 she still has to go to school, ride the bus, put up with her annoying younger brother, a hopeless vain older sister, four delirious grandparents, and a whacked out foreign exchange student. Well, hang in there, Samantha. The day's not over yet. You may still get one wish. That was on the poster. That's a lot to put on a poster. Yeah. Like a lot. Yeah. That, that sounded longer than the legend scroll. Well, it was like old, you know, old advertisements had long yeah. copy. It, it, it's yeah. that kind of thing. Uh, yeah. All right. So let's let's give everyone their just due. <laughs> Samantha is Molly Ringwald. The class clown is Anthony Michael Hall. Um, Jake Ryan, the boy that she loves. Who is she, who is he played by? Oh, God. He's got a weird ass name. And, and I've always it, it's weird because Jake Ryan has been so popular. But the actor who plays Jake Ryan, like didn't do much afterwards though he was in mermaids um right michael schofilling michael schofilling Sheffling. Sheffling. s-c-h-o-e-f-f-l-i-n-g yeah 
Sheffling. Yeah, and then a host of other characters that actors that are known from tons of other movies in the 80s, 70s. Uh, yeah, yeah. Havilland Morris. Havilland yeah. Morris plays Caroline, oh, um, who in my notes is the purple dress girl, just because I couldn't remember her name. And then Ged Watanabe? Watanabe? And Watanabe. Is Long Duck Dong. God, I. it's so hard. It's so hard. This movie's so bad. Okay. Shall I go for my first question to you? Please. Oh wait, you didn't, you didn't you didn't tell me about your growing up with this. I mean, oh, I I know. I know I saw this. I know I saw this as a child. I remember seeing this in the theater because I all all 80s of films were on the table for me because I know that the day that I saw Molly Ringwald in the mall with my cousin we like were like we've seen 16 kids we've seen all of them we'd seen them all and remember her eyes bugged out when we said that because she was old enough to have already had enough retrospect to be like why have you seen my movies and indeed why did anyone see this this god damn it this movie is so fucked up i can't even oh, i'm i'm so upset because i was busy all week so i had to do my first watch of it last night and then i rewatched it this morning thankfully because it was free on hulu if i had had to pay for it once there's no chance i would have paid for it twice i'm so upset because like i said i feel like i'm living like i i've, I've just woken up from stockholm syndrome there is so much programming in this film there is so much that i know that i absorbed with my young mind i i, I i'm livid I, I, I mean, man, I have all of this is one really, this one really has me pissed. This one's really, the worst one. Really this has me pissed. Off. This movie is worse than Jack Frost. Like it's fuck yes, it is terrible. Jack okay, Frost so, has more redeeming qualities than this film. Absolutely. So my first question is, what was your first wow moment in this film? <laughs> right, because. My notes are basically, wow, that just happened. Wow, that just happened. So um, after the wholesome opening of- The wholesome period jokes? You know, no, 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 no. Even before that, like, the movie actually opens with like, like delivering newspapers right. in, in, you know- fucking Illinois, wherever the fuck all John Hughes movies take place, which, so after that, you know, opening of like, this is a wholesome place to live because there's paper boys. Um, yeah, what's your, your first wow moment? My first, okay, again, because I've got carpal tunnel for how many fucking notes that I took. And of course I went in out my second, my second watch and like filled in some other stuff. Um, so my first really, really, truly big wow, and again, because we now watch with subtitles. So first of all, there's like so much, just the, the, the concept of the storyline itself is so fucking stupid. So her sister's getting married and her sister's getting married the day after her birthday. And we're supposed to believe that when they chose that date and made all of these plans around that date, that it never once came up or registered with them that this was going to be the day after their second oldest child's birthday, right? And that this girl who, if she has been always dreaming of her 16th birthday, you know, I just always imagined that there'd be like 
a big party with a band. I never envisioned my sweet 16 like that. I don't think you envisioned your sweet 16 like that. It begs the question, like, did she have a bunch of Jewish girlfriends and feel like she missed out on a bat mitzvah that she deserved a fucking parade for her 16th birthday? But clearly not, because this is once again, one of the waspiest high schools in America. There are no people of color except for the one black child on the bus looking at what? White porn. Now, again, here comes my big wow moment. I've always dreamed of my sweet 16, you know? And she's like, yeah, her friend. Yeah, I know, right? There's gonna be a band and tons of people and a Trans Am with a bow on it, um, um, a black Trans Am. What, what did she say? No, a red Trans Am? No, a black Trans Am. A, a, wait, God, fuck, I'm fucking up the line so bad because I'm so like shook by it. Okay, black- she, says, say, she says a black Trans Am. And no, she, she says a red trans am with a, trans bow on and a cute guy that you can fuck on a cloud and not get herpes or pregnant from. And she's like, I, I don't need the cloud, just the trans am, just, uh, just the trans am, right? A black one, a black guy. No, a black trans am, a pink guy. Sasha, and I have the same exact work. That was my first. Wow. That was my first. I wow. Yeah. Never registered how deeply racist that was. And I never heard the throwaway line of a pink guy only. And I rewound it four times so that I could make sure that one, my ears and my eyes were linked up. She, she said that she said a pink guy and, and she said a black and her friend did say a black guy with all the white lady horror of a black man and her friend did respond molly ringwald did respond with absolute mate absolutely not maybell a a black trans am a pink man (laughs) nothing ever than a pink man will do i just and then her friend has the look of such relief on her face yes i mean so, okay, so of course the moment is my first wow moment as well. Exact same one, we've got the same brain. Um, mind you, fucked up things happen prior to this. This is oh, yeah. the one that's so intensely like, what, what, what just happened? You know, this is just where my notes started in all caps. And all I could think, yeah. the only thing I could think is being a black person in the eighties and watching that moment. Like uh-huh. how on earth could any person of color watch this film at this moment and just be like, oh, well, I'm fucking out. Like, there's and, and how devastating. There's so much. Like, yeah, there's so I, much I, wrong I, with it. Hit. Because yeah, like you said, birth it's birth of a nation style fear of the black man, right? There are no, there are a, a, other than the one black boy on the bus who is looking at white woman porn, which only then fucking reinforces this whole birth of a nation, you know, fear of the black men. They just want our white pussies. And my just have to, you, know? you know that he's the only black kid and later up, later up, later on, he shows up again. Like he's literally like they only hired one black dude and then they put him in like six different places throughout the film. Because I don't remember he, seeing him pops, again after that. He does pop up again, but it's the same black kid. It's like all the other extras are different, but he's like the only one they got. I mean, oh, it, it just infuriates me. I can imagine being um, African-American and watching this film and just being like, I just, it, it kind of devastated me. Like it's, it's, it is 
horrifying. It is grotesque. It is disgusting. Like as a young, like as a, as a young woman of color growing up, right? Like there were certain things that I knew were being told to me and didn't knew that they made me feel bad, but didn't know that they were wrong because they were being said to me so often. And that is that black men are problematic. Black men are to be feared. And that if you are of any value as a woman, that is established, that is, that is quantified for you by how much white men are attracted to you. That is something that I knew. But here's okay. the craziest thing about this film though. Black people, you got off easy because at least you're not Chinese. Jesus fucking Christ. Because if you're Chinese, like, if you're Asian at all, they just made him like, okay, so he's the weird China man upstairs, but they give him all kinds of random Japanese shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, Bonsai, they, they, screaming Bonsai is Japanese. That is not Chinese. Like, it's just so infuriating. It's so it's, infuriating. It's hard to even speak of this in any kind of cohesive way because I'm. it's all still so uh, fresh. It, it kind of just comes out of you in like spitting moments. Yeah, so this was so this dovetails into my second question, which was, so you saw it when you were 16. I'm really got this like Stockholm feeling because I saw it probably almost every single fucking year of my young life up until I stopped watching it somewhere what in my teens, right? When it became like, oh, I've seen this movie 8,000 times and now it's stupid. Um, was how many of these glaringly racist lines and moments did you miss? I mean, I missed all of them. I, well, number one, I didn't even, I don't remember seeing this film until even later, like like in my 20s. And mind you, I don't remember any of, like, I, it's not what I took away from the film. Like I, I always knew, and, and maybe this is because I'm Asian, but that always got to me. Like it always got to me that they made fun of the crazy Asian guy and he was funny and, and it is a mixed feeling that you get. The mixed feeling is at least there's a, you know, Chinese, there's representation, you know, at least there's an Asian character, but then that that's immediately like slapped in the face with the fact that it's just a caricature of an Asian. Everyone, um, you know, treats him like he's insane. He does insane things. Uh, and that he should be feared. So, so first of all, he's, he gets referred to as there's a weird Chinaman upstairs. Then the kid, right? The kid, the younger brother. Um, my note here is, holy fuck, I don't even know what to do with. What have you got to complain about? I've got to sleep under some Chinaman who's named after a duck's dork. Okay. Like this is supposed to be an eight-year-old who's speaking in this way. No one's got a problem with it. And then we've got the dinner table scene where it's supposed <gasps> to be fucking funny that he's sitting there using a spoon and a fork as chopsticks which i never noticed before yeah um it's funny that he asks that he genuinely asks how do you spell the word quiche and he is mocked by one of the grandparents saying you don't spell it you eat it then we start in on him describing how much he's enjoying being of such service to these people that he's staying with clearly as though he's like an indentured servant, right? He does the laundry, he does the dishes, he helps up so that grandpa's hyena doesn't get, you know, aggravated at which point this asshole young kid once again says hernia and you see his face 
he is crestfallen. He's so embarrassed that he's made this language error and I am sick to my stomach, sick to my stomach for the number of times that I have watched this and known how many people thought that was funny. Then fuck all the sexy American girlfriend stuff. Like we can touch on that shit later, but when Anthony Michael Hall and his nerd crew show up to the party, this I never fucking heard before either. They're nervous enough to go inside. The door is opened up by Duck, right? Or Long, okay? I want to call him by his first name, Long. Okay, Long opens the door. He's hanging off of the door as a, like a party animal, like any other kid at this party. And I always thought that they were like, that they backed up because they were scared because it's a party full of seniors getting drunk off of their face. And they realize that they're wading into the deep end. No, they're walking back with yellow fear. That's what it is. When Anthony Michael Hall turns around and goes, what? He's from out of town. He speak English. Don't be such fucking F-bombs. Yep. I want every copy of this film to either be studied or packed up into a capsule with every pressing of every Sublime album and shot into the sun. (laughs) I want it off the planet. Hey, dude, I'd I'd support both efforts. I mean, I I think it should be studied just because it's, it's what it's amazing how nonchalant it all is and you know it's that's the thing about it like her her you know black car pink guy comment in the beginning it's so nonchalant it's and then and then the way it's just put up as a joke again and again and again oh my god it's just really it's just heartbreaking it's heartbreaking I, I don't know what to really say about it beyond because it's just disgusting. I mean, it's pure, disgusting soup. I choked and, on and the soup. We, we haven't even gotten yeah. into the grossest chunks in this soup. Honestly, I mean, like this is this fair. is like one of the grosser ones, but there's some really disgusting shit that we haven't even started on yet. Uh, you know, I wonder because I really feel like the like the very nonchalant racism of this film is almost like it's it's one of my top things I mean there is a lot of things about women and we'll get into that and I get I'm trying to think of what's worse which actually you know can I just go into my next question then because oh, yeah please segue um, yeah who really is the worst person in this movie for real because we've got a lot of people yeah. ready to take gold here um So I'm really going to have to go with, he's no hardy gens, but Jake is the fucking worst. Jake is really pretty goddamn bad. Okay. Um, There's just, uh, uh, honestly, honestly, I don't know. My brain is just like, it's sputtering. There's so much going on in there. Okay. So, so. Jake, Jake is possibly the worst. I can summarize him. He's basically a privileged dickwad. Um, Anthony, he's no, he's no Hardy Jens. He's no Hardy Jens, but like, wow, man. Wow, man. Yeah, no, no. He's, he's a privileged dickwad. You know what? It's, and it's not, I don't even know that it's, I don't know if it's him or the concept of him that is worse. Yeah, because it's, it is a weird concept. Okay. He is so rich and so privileged that he drives that sports car. His father has a Rolls Royce. Um, 
they have a party at his house, they destroy his house, and he has zero fear in him whatsoever about getting in trouble for any of it. He doesn't like the mess. He clearly doesn't like the mess, but... But he, it's, he doesn't have any fear of his parents coming home and finding a mess or of this kid, Anthony. I mean, like, this isn't even me getting into, the, like, the the ethical and moral sand, you know, quicksand that he is just throwing everyone into. Like, it's not even about that yet. It's just about, like, the concept of him as this good-looking, privileged, like, yeah, dickwad is the only thing I could come up with. I think it summarizes well, him. Um, well, for for me, like the the issue here is like it's like I haven't had enough time away from it to properly formulate my thoughts on this. It's like first, I don't think I ever clocked as a young girl that he's a complete idiot. That he's he's not intelligent. Like he's actually really quite stupid and um, has very little depth to him whatsoever um, and is basically um, just so, so quintessentially narcissistic, but not in like that tented fingered hearty Jen's kind of way. When he's doing pull-ups and asking about Samantha, you know what I mean? And first oh, of all, his, they both- With his 45 year old With his 45 year old gym buddy. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Um, yeah, when they are doing pull-ups, fake pull-ups in the gym, and first of all, he's got to qualify, do you know Samantha Baker, because he needs approval to make it okay for him to want to go after this girl, right? Another guy has got to say, yes, I think she's also attractive, and that makes it okay for you to be interested. There's that. And then there's what he says about her, where it's like, there's something about her. We're in independent study together. And I just catch her looking at me all the time. It's really cool how she's always looking at me. Like, that's what it is about her. It's that she's interested in you. And that's it. And that's all. And then later on, when they talk about her again, when Anthony Michael Hall's character is talking to Jake about her, like they summarize her by like, she doesn't have many tits. She doesn't smallish have tits, tits. Smallish tits and a decent voice. And she smells pretty good that's how you summarize that, that she's that, really and then he goes on to say she's really special well so. my god i just it, it's jaw-dropping like it, and, and we're having a really difficult time getting the lines up because they're so horrific that i think they get caught in our throats and they yeah they, no seriously that's I, it like i can't even the ones that i have written down as i'm trying to read them my tongue is tripping around my rage and disgust like, okay. i can't i have to say though so so yeah, Jake Ryan's pretty terrible. Anthony Michael Hall's character, Farmer Ted, Farmer John, whatever the fuck. Farmer that Ted, yeah, about. it's gross. Yeah, whatever don't, that. Don't body. get that joke. It he's fucking terrible, disgusting. Like when he like crawls over her twice, and just his whole shtick is not cute and charming. Like if you remember, everyone, when we watched. Um, God, I'm blanking on everything because this movie, it, it's like a, a, bla a, like a blaring light in your mind. You know what I mean? It just like, it takes away all the goodness and your ability to think properly and, and all those things. Um, Breakfast Club. Anthony Michael Hall was my favorite character in The Breakfast Club. And he's such a charming 
actor and, and he played the nerd role or he plays the nerd role with such sensitivity. But in this movie, he's just disgusting. He's just like, a, he's not a geek nerd. I think geeks and nerds are wonderful. This kid's a twerp. He's just a total yeah. fucking- He's like, gross. He's pretty disgusting. He's um, so gross. One part that I actually really love, and we're gonna get into this in depth later, is when he basically, you know, possibly rapes Carolyn. Yeah. You know, when that possibly happens, he actually goes and gets like photographic proof of it. And I just hope so much that that's like used in court. But then unfortunately I thought, well, wait a second, even if they had a photograph of him with her like this, he'd still get off free probably. Oh, sure. Because he's a white kid in a privileged neighborhood. White man from a privileged neighborhood suburb of Chicago. Absolutely. Uh, So here's, here's who is not the worst who we were kind of gaslit into believing was the worst, Carolyn. Carolyn, there's the, the worst thing about Carolyn is that she's a little bit of a party girl, which for a 17 year old senior girl, what's fucking weird about that? So first off, I, I want to think that that was a different actress's body that they zoomed in on because it's never face and body at the same time. Um, They say in that scene that she's actually really sweet, that like her brother is deaf and she does all kinds of, you know, charity work. And she's like a really nice person. She's nice to Molly Ringwald. She's nice to Sam when she sees her in the hallway. Um, The worst thing that she does is catch him when she has a bad vibe on him. It was like, hey, man, are you fucking playing around? Because I'm getting some weird signals from you. And just so you know, I'm aware of my worth. There are other men out there that would be interested in me. And now, mind you, that's a just playing male gaze against male gaze. But like, there's other men that are interested in me. And and yeah, I can step. I can fucking step if that's the game that you're playing. Otherwise, let's not fight. Let's go back. Okay. And then the, the actual worst thing is that she, that she does is that she parties too hard and she's disrespectful of his home. Right. But I feel like watching this when we were when we when I was growing up and watching this when she ends up with her hair caught in the door that is somehow delivered in a way as though she's earned that she's she she deserves this um that it's funny that she's stuck in the door that it's funny that her hair gets caught cut off um that she um deserves being driven around because she's blitzed and doesn't know what the fuck she's doing and all of that is presented to us to justify Jake's terrible treatment of her so that he can go and do whatever the fuck he wants to do with Sam. Absolutely. I'm, I'm on your trip 100%. And if you think about it, like her performance is pretty great because I think it's hilarious when they do, like, I don't know why they don't just knock on the door for someone to open the door. I guess honestly, all so wasted. It's just so stupid. It's so contrived when really it would just be like, Hey dude, you've got to open the door. You right. fucking closed her hair in it. But the fact that when they cut it and she's like, thank you. <laughs> like It's actually, I have that down. Like that's one of the more like that her, her reaction in that is one of the more believable moments in the entire <laughs> thing. Where it's like, I could actually, I can see that happening. I could then, see that happening in some weird way. My, my problem is she goes through with the whole Jake thing, the same thing, you know, Anna from Money Pit goes through where she loses conscious, she loses consciousness. And then, you know, she basically wakes up in the arms of this freshman and is kind of like, oh, 
I think we did, but I think I liked it. Like she's still a fucking stupid character. Like she's not great. That is oh. so upsetting. It's so upsetting. So upsetting. What's even more upsetting about this is in that, you know, that New Yorker article when Molly Ringwald comes around and is like, okay, can we talk about my my young career? We need to talk about this. And 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 her ability to look back on her films as she's watching them with her kids and being like, what the fuck was I a part of? This is one of the more problematic parts of that article is that she reaches out to Haviland Morris and is like, hey, your character and art and and 16 candles and all of it man like that whole part like that was really that's a fucking problem and Havilland Morris's response is well I mean she did get too drunk she is still yes she is still so drunk on that Kool-Aid that she is bought into it lock stock and barrel that this is fine no her character deserved the treatment that she got she got too drunk mm-hmm. and every woman is responsible for knowing her place and if you get yourself in a position like that around men i mean what's going to happen is going to happen boys will be boys but it's that's so, so heartbreaking crazy. it's so heartbreaking and fuck her um sorry straight up fuck you um but like no not fuck her fuck this do you know what I mean? Like she's, yeah, she's got the Stockholm syndrome. She can't, she can't step back of it from it far enough to be able to be to see like, oh my God, this is that fucked up. And I was the representation of it. Yeah, I yeah. serve this to little girls. I, give, I, I was the, I was the poster girl for just say that it was okay. If you just say that it was okay, it was okay. When you watch the scene and, and her revelation that she might have had sex with him and her revelation that she might have enjoyed it, I, all I can think of is no woman would ever act like this. It was definitely like one of the most blaring written by a man because no girl. Yeah, that was written by that was the that was the like, man that was that was that was John Hughes teaching young women how to respond when something like this happens to them. Oh that's that's God, their idea. So yes, that's so what it is. He okay, wrote the script. Okay. He wrote the script for date rape right fucking there. This please, is how you should respond, girls. Please ask another question because this movie is so gross and I just want to get through this. I know. <laughs> I hope you're enjoying any of this. I understand if you're not. <laughs> yeah, right? This is not this is not one of our more lighthearted episodes. My next question Okay, so my next question was are you just realizing that we were gaslit into believing Carolyn was bad to justify Jake's behavior? The next question off, off of that is, so on a scale of unfazed to rocking in the fetal position in a corner, how traumatized are you by having rewatched this film? I mean, it really bothers me. Like yeah. the second I watched it, I mean, I only watched it once and I had it for free and I did not rewatch it because I was like, I've got plenty of notes and that's my, might be why I'm a little choppy here because I just couldn't watch it again. I am traumatized by it. I am. And I, what I'm more traumatized by is that it is still in the canon of like wonderful eighties films. Like it's still showing up as perfectly fine. And people are still talking about how wonderful it was and how, you know, John Hughes is a genius and all of that stuff. It just makes me, my stomach turn. So yeah, like on a scale of one to 10, I'm, I'm rocking out to a 10 on this film. Um, and, you know, if anything, I'm rocking out. It had a pretty good soundtrack. I mean, like we're going to talk about whatever we could find that was redeemable in it. 
And one of the things is the soundtrack. Um, but even that like is not enough to wash out the, just, it's horrible. It's horrible it's on so many levels. Um, it's awful. And, and one of the horrible things about it too, is they really did our fashion icon dirty. Her outfit in this is so terrible. I'm calling it Pinkerbell. <laughs> it is the fucking ugliest, this, this shredded pink outfit. <laughs> like what the fuck? You know what, Sasha? I love, I love that you and I have the exact same fucking notes. Her outfit <laughs> at the dance just looks like it's in tatters. Tinkerbell. <laughs> yeah. Oh girl. Oh my God. Okay. Where, where like, yeah, no, seriously. You know what, you know what the most redeeming quality of this film is for me? Okay. Go for it. It's a tight 90 minutes. That's <laughs> That's it. Okay. I have a couple of redeeming. Except for no, it's not necessarily a tight 90 minutes because it never occurred to me as well that at some point this whole film shifts to become about Jake Ryan. After the dance, when she goes home, this now the movie is about him. Who fucking cares about him and fucking Farmer Ted? Oh my fucking God. 2000%. Before we get into what, if anything, is redeemable about this film, I, I have questions. Okay. And one of my questions is right there. What the hell is this movie really about? Because initially it starts off with the kickoff of, you know, this idea that they've forgotten her birthday and she is this forgotten child. And then we just read that IMDb fucking drivel, which is about like her just being embarrassed all the time through the whole film, which is stupid as well. Like what she like gives her panties away. That's kind of embarrassing. And when she talks to Jake, she's embarrassed. I don't, I don't even know if that makes sense. When I was watching it this time, what I figured this movie was really about, which again, just makes me sick to my stomach because it was written by John Hughes, is that it's basically about a girl wanting to lose her virginity. Mm -hmm. And possibly the end is the beginning of the night where that happens. Yep. Because the movie kicks off like the, the first, you know, incident, inciting moment, um, except for the, you know, forgetting the birthday. The forgetting birthday thing is nothing. That's like a, I don't even know if that's like the point of the film whatsoever, but she's filling out this, this, um, this creepy fucking, hey, little girl, want some candy? No, like the way the questions are phrased are so creepy. Like, it's okay. Your name's not on it. Be honest. Ew! So true. And, you know, so basically in that she says that, well, maybe she would have sex and who would she have sex with? And she puts the name down. And then basically the rest of the film is about going there. So so what the hell yeah, is Yeah, because what's about? so creepy about the note and the responses? Like, have you ever done it before? Her response is, I don't think so. Yes. And then the next question is, is if you said, I don't think so, would you? Ew! It's so gross. And yeah, and it just seems like... It's so clearly written by someone who's older and manipulative. It's, it's so, oh God, man. Exactly. And the idea that that happens in the beginning... And then it's found by Jake. And then he's basically trying to, because basically he just found a note that said, this girl wants you. to have sex with me. Right. And then, so he spends the whole rest of the film, like trying to, you know, get her number or, you know, get with her. 
And everything else is about, you know, Anthony Michael Hall is trying to have sex with her as well and like convince his friends that he's had sex. And then poor Carolyn has had sex with everyone already. And, you know, what's wrong with just one more? And yeah, at the end of the film, I was like, and then after they blow out the candles, have some cake, she has a really uncomfortable moment where this, you know, 35 year old man basically kicks her virginity. Like, is that what this movie's about? Because that's what I think it it's about. I do, yeah. Gross. Yeah. Um, my, we also, oh, no, go on. Go oh, on. Sorry, my actual question that was going to get us into all of the um, Long Duck Dong uh, problems was, what is with the sound effects? Yes, ma'am. Thank you. The whole <sighs> film actually has sound Yeah, it's like, honestly, really this this film was like some weird hybrid between like a like a, a Flintstones cartoon and Porky's I was like what the fuck is going on with I never noticed the sound effects before like when they're in the car you know it in the the uh, like shop class or whatever you know and yeah. she's I can't remember what she says something but all of a sudden like a like there's a yeah. there's like a light bulb yeah. sound and, he, and that's when he decides like it's okay to try to like mount her basically i just well the first one actually just, oh. the first one is when her creepy ass grandparents um they have the boob moment where she goes look she's got titties or she's got boobies and they're so perky and her hands go for it like yes. there's a sound effect that goes with boobies and then and then she of course has the line like i just got felt up by my grandmother what is with the grandparents in this movie there again who's the worst char character you know characters in this movie for real like the grandparents all of them are pretty fucking horrible gross. the one point we forgot to mention so the slave oh. owners of the of the poor oh my god toy, yes! right the yes! slave owners like after they catch dong in what is probably still in spite of everything fucking hilarious when he says Automobile? Automobile? Automobile. Okay. And yes. then he goes, and he makes the sound effects to the point yes. where of, of the car crash. That's genius. It's and it ends funny. with, which I never heard before, lake. Big lake. <laughs> <laughs> that shit is hilarious. That shit is hilarious. Yeah. yeah. It's that... not hilarious, though, when Nana turns around and kicks him in the fucking stomach after calling him a scuzz bag. Yes. Yes. So possibly Nana is the worst character in this film. I think that as we, you know, continue on through this podcast, it might be, well, maybe he's the worst character because she's fucking terrible. Absolutely disgusting. I mean, to be fair, you know, Sam has, is the one with the racist jokes and she, she uses an F-bomb in it. So she and several and so up. I don't even I lost track of who was using the f bombs, who's using the r bombs. They're just like they're fucking rampant. They're everywhere. Yeah. Um, can we talk about the very weird character of her older sister? What's wrong with her? Okay, she doesn't take muscle relaxants until the wedding, but she appears to be in this weird Stepford place the entire time. What's wrong, well, darling? Well, like, she's, she's Carolyn, right? Like, yeah, no, no, that's not character. Carolyn. No, 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 that's, that's um, the same character. Like she's super pretty right. and she, you know, like she's, I mean, everyone in this movie in some shape, way or form 
is super privileged by, you know, money or status or beauty. Looks, right. You know, and she's she's beauty privileged. So her whole shtick is that. And she's pretty fucking terrible. Um, but I must say that other than Long Duck Dong in the automobile and the sound effects, her being muscle relaxed at the wedding is comic genius. Like, it's brilliant. Like this actress, you know, she was given the role. She had to say the lines in the first part. It's whatever. But when she gets to the wedding, like she owns this movie. What I'm surprised at is that she didn't become like a comedian actress of note because like when she sits Every, down, <laughs> like when she, I, I need to rest. I need to rest. I need to rest. All of it. The, 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 with the veil, all of it. No, all of her, her whole physical comedy shtick from the wedding is, is perfection. Actually, it's probably, I actually have that written down. Like this is the best part. This is the highlight besides um, Joan Cusack's fucking skirt um, napkin sweatshirt, Um, which why that hasn't been reproduced a million times over. I don't understand. Um, But yeah, no, when she is, when they leave the wedding and she's hopping around trying to catch the rice in her mouth and then just just like, fuck the shoes, whoop, and there goes the sound effect. And then she rips the like, the little slip crinoline off. That's fucking hysterical with the hat. She gets in and she puts the fucking driver's cap on. Ah, Right? And she's like, it's fucking hysterical. But what what is weird about it while that's happening, I don't know if you clocked what the youngest sister is doing. She is screaming, like, while everyone's like, yay, bye, bye, bye. The little girl got some other weird piece of direction or misunderstood the direction entirely because she has this, like, angry look on her face. And she looks like it all, oh, she looks more like the fucking angry nun in Game of Thrones where she's like, shame 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 like she just looks so terrifying and then all of a sudden she gets a smile and she like realized she understands what the scene's about it's fucked up it's really fucked i i have to say like the the question we just answered is is there anything redeemable about this movie and there we go we found it it. is it is this performance i mean like she's so funny she and the thing is she was not directed to do any of those. That is an actor's instincts going wild. Like, because she was like, you know what it is when she takes the petticoat off, you're like, yes, girl. Exactly, exactly. You're like, fuck yeah, that that would be exactly what you'd want to do. Get that shit off. (laughs) Like, and you see that, you can see the thought process in her head and like all the women in the world just like, yep. The shoe goes sideways, she drops, she drops off the heel and she's like, but why would I fuck with this anyway? Get rid. She does have some terrible lines in the beginning and she's a little clueless and she's marrying, you know, into the mob. And but, um, okay, but that's another, that's another actually not racist, but kind of xenophobic thing. Okay, so oh, yeah. why are they called, first of all, if they're the Riz checks, we don't need to make fun of their name and call them the rice checks. And if they're the rice checks or the Riz checks, thank you, they're clearly not Italian. So why are they an Italian stereotype? I have no idea. It makes no sense. It's so it's embarrassing. It's, it's embarrassing. embarrassing. <laughs> oh my also, God. too, with this whole pretty privilege that she has, did you catch the backhanded compliment that her father gives her when he wakes her up in the middle of the night to acknowledge that they've forgotten her, her birthday and, and 
acknowledges this that without a birthday card or uh, some keys or anything she's like i feel really bad we forgot your birthday oops anyway not like we'll make it up to you or anything and then sits there and starts talking she's like if i were Ginny, Ginny is her name you know i wouldn't have any of these problems and he's like well you know jenny jenny doesn't have these problems you know she she you know when things get handed easy to you easily to you you know sometimes you you get away with stuff i don't i don't worry about those things with you <laughs> did you catch that <laughs> Well, I didn't catch that. Oh my that. God. I didn't catch that, but I I'm sorry. I'm trying I to find did. the exact line because I can't, it's taking me too no, many no. minutes to scroll through all of my fucking. I, I remember notes. exactly what you're saying. I mean, because of course the, her, his whole point is, you know, um, she's shallow and everything's given to her and, and, you know, and those things aren't always great because, you know, he's not approving of the, you know, future husband and stuff. Whereas with her, he doesn't worry because again, when it happens for her, when she falls in love, it's going to last forever. And I just like, there's a couple again, more problematic programming, very fucking shit. Yeah. Lots of problems here. Number one, this idea that the father is this, you know, what is John Hughes's obsession with like daddy coming in and solving everything? Oh, good old dad comes to save the day. And also what kind of, what kind of good old dad sees his 16 year old daughter get into a sports car with a guy who ostensibly looks like he's 20 fucking years older than her is like, yeah, yes. Here's my salute. Here's my salute. Way to, way to pull it, honey. Yeah. Way to pull, you know? (laughs) Oh my God. Oh my God. I remember one time that my father caught me kissing on the front porch and I remember the way he yelled at me. And I remember the boy jumping a hedge to run away from my father. Like, I mean, now mind you, everyone, my father was a LAPD police officer and he was in the military. So um, he was right to run away that fast. But my father, it was like, when I was 16 years old, it was not, no, no. I was not uh, going to make out with boys or jump into their cars on my sister's wedding instead of going to the reception. My father would have killed me and killed him. Like none of that would have happened. But even the idea of telling a teenage girl, like, you know, when you fall in love, it's going to be forever. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, what kind of message? Mad bullshit are you talking, my guy? Oh, my God. Because I actually remember my mom, like for reals being like, look, you think that you're all crazy in love and you are, and it's all valid, Amy, but you know, you've got a lot of life to live and there's I mean, going to be lots of boys. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's the truth, lesson that I that was, was by that my was mom. The one, that was, yeah, that was the one redeeming line that he had throughout that entire little scene was that when she was like well, it hurts in my chest and he was like well that's why they call it a crush you know if if it was easy they'd call it something else i mean it's i'm, I'm reaching i'm yeah, reaching yeah. but it's, it's the only I, you know what i mean it's the only i felt that it was just super unrealistic advice for a parent to give to a child and to put in a movie, it just made me feel like, what did I learn this? Because this is bullshit. But I remember for the fact that my parents were like, clearly like, you know, it feels insane when you're a teenager, but in actuality, you are most probably not going to end up with your sweet 16, um, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever. Most probably yeah. it's not going to happen. Has it happened? Yes. 
cool for those people, but it's very, very rare. And it's just weird that you would, it would just, that's like adding fuel to a fire, you know? I don't know. It just bothered me a lot. It bothered me a lot. I mean, again, not as much as the, the nonchalant racism, but it bothered me a lot. Do you have any more questions? Oh, God. Just like, where? what do we, where can we lobby to make sure that it's understood how <laughs> fucked up this film is and that people stop thinking of it as a good film and not the problematic thing that it is I know know. like it really it really is one of those things where I'm gonna liken it to something that might seem really wrong but it is like being molested by Woody Woody Allen and then watching him win awards it's like this movie really is so offensive and it has so many bad ideas in it and then it's celebrated like, like, you know, Primart and Forever 21 are making t-shirts with the postcard yeah. on it. Yeah. You know what I mean? it. It continues to be this, this thing that we talk about, like, oh, honestly, yeah, Jake like, Ryan, this is, yes, like Jake this Ryan, is- you know, um, put his girlfriend in a car when she was drunk with a child who could not drive he possibly rapes her. Yeah, here's the line. And then they have the weirdest breakup in the world. Oh my God. I've got Caroline in the bedroom and I could violate her 10 different ways if I wanted to right now. She's passed passed out cold and I could violate her 10 different ways if I wanted to right now. And Anthony Michael Hall's response is, what are you waiting for? This is the teen after school special version of motherfucking Last Tango in Paris. It needs to be taken out of rotation. It needs to be exposed for the very fucking dangerous, problematic messaging that it's gotten there. And every woman that was in it needs to be fucking apologized to. And every woman that watched this and every young man that watched this that was led to believe that just say that you enjoyed it and that makes it okay. Or she's passed out so that makes it okay all needs to be they all need to be apologized to and given like several free rounds of therapy to undo the fucking damage this movie is a fucking problem it is a real it's an actual problem problem. it's an actual it's an actual hazard to our society it it really is it is damaging and no young people should be allowed to watch this again because it's only glorifying rape culture it's only glorifying xenophobia it is such fucking hot ass dangerous garbage and what you just said about like watching you know being molested by Woody Allen and then watching him win awards that's kind of what I feel like happens at the end of the movie I feel like those last two scenes albeit unrealistic that a dad would be like sorry yeah go go for it kid hop in that car with that man that clearly looks like he's way too old for you um those last two scenes are so neatly done and so um, emblematic of what every little girl's fantasy is. is like, I'm dressed in a pretty dress and the Prince Charming that I have a crush on shows up out of nowhere, says he's there for me and whisks me away and gives me a, we have our own private romantic thing. Like those two scenes are actually so well done and so romantic that I think that those last five minutes of the film actually managed to, if you clocked any of that other shit, erase it. Like, because that's what you remember the most. I feel like other than, Perhaps. you know what I mean? I, I feel like other than automobile and what's happening hot stuff, the things that I remembered the most about that movie 
were Jake Ryan leaning up against the car and them sitting over the, the, the cake. Absolutely. And I think that, like I said, I didn't watch this a lot when I was younger. However, like the girls I grew up with and, and girls even now, it's like they loved Jake Ryan and they had this dream of Jake Ryan coming and, yeah. and celebrating their 16th birthday with him. That was actually, it became a dream that girls had Yes. later on. Like I remember a girlfriend of mine like named her teddy bear, Jake Ryan, like things like that, which makes me so ill that that happened. But, you know, I mean, wow, not girl. I mean, so what have we done thus far? We've done, we've done, um, pretty in pink. We've done, uh, what's the other one? Breakfast club, Plain, breakfast club and plain strains and automobiles. Right. Uh-huh. And Let's we've go. done, um, uh, well written by, but not directed. That's fine. Some kind of wonderful. Okay. So okay. this is the worst one. By far, oh God, yes. Of all this, I and mean, we were doing. We've got a couple did more. Did you remember how I, how much I loved um, planes, trains, and automobiles? This <laughs> is worse than planes, trains. This and is the worst yet. I feel like this is. I feel like, unbeknownst to us, we stumbled upon the holy grail, the, the holy grail of "Are you fucking kidding me?" films from the eighties. <laughs> like we weren't ready. We weren't prepared. I really thought that we'd hit it with Breakfast Club. I I stumbled into this blind and and wanted to blind myself halfway through the film. No, because because I remember remember Breakfast Club. As much as there's problematic things throughout the whole fucking thing, the second the music came on, it's like oh but I love this movie and I'm well, there for it. And it actually dealt with yes. teenagers and, and they had issues and they were talking. It's, to yes, it other. sets itself up to be talking about problematic subject matter and problematic teen issues and feelings. This one just, just is a problem. There's no heart to hearts in this whole thing. Even the, the one with the father is not a heart to heart. I'm sorry, because- Oh God, how about the one, says, the weepy one, the weepy one with the mother where she's like, we forgot your birthday and oh fuck her you were trying to tell me and it's important to you it's important period 16 years ago you shoved that bitch out of your vagina you forgot that that's insane um and it's important period you shouldn't forget your kid's birthday and it's just stupid it's just it's all such a fucking problem oh my god it's so bad so so really um i do have to say you know, John Cusack, I love you, but your sister, Joan, she just, she actually was a joy to see every time she was yes. on the screen from just wearing a neck brace, like, and that sweatshirt. And then when she was trying to drink the water, like it, it does have those moments. It's like, if John Hughes had anything, there were like little details that sometimes he did that worked out. There's one line that has like any kind of sense to it from his meathead 45 year old gym buddy when she's, he's asking him, right? And he's like, what do you think of her? You know? And he's like, I don't, I don't. And he's like, well, she's not ugly. It's not that she's ugly. There's just like a void. There's nothing there. And then he, he expands upon that to say, well, dude, she's a child. She's obviously not old enough to party seriously. Like this is the one this the is one moment of sense in the entire film from the meathead fucking jock right and then i think about molly ringwald's mother on set and in that article when she talks about how her mom is like because the thing with the panties when he's having the heart to heart with her somehow and i don't remember from the article how it comes to be but the line when he says make sure 
that they know that you wear the pants in the relationship. The original line was something like, hey, Sam, where's your underwear? And her mom was like, do you not understand how inappropriate that would be for a father to ask his daughter where her underwear is? Like, why would he be curious about her underwear, looking for her underwear? Exactly. Like, he would have no mind about her fucking underwear at 16 years old. That's so inappropriate. So I'm wondering, like, is this the only one moment that they listened to her? Or was she in a fetal position rocking in a corner for the duration of this entire shoot? Because every second is a problem. Even at the end of the, the what the line became, which of course is, you know, make sure you wear the pants. They had a fucking sound effect at the, at the end of that. Da-ding! And she makes a stupid face. The fucking sound effects, I'm telling you, it's another... It's another offense. It's the filmmaking offense. You don't use sound effects like that, John Hughes. May you rot in your grave. Oh my God, can I say that? I'm fine that, with it. Is that a step I'm too co- far? I'm, you know what, after this, I'm co-signing on it. Fuck that shit, man. Fuck yeah, that shit. This man did damage. Awful. This man did damage with this film. Fuck him. I don't. Yeah, I'm sorry. This is not to offend his descendants. But fuck, dude, you know, dad, grandpa, Uncle John, he had problems. And then people gave him money to put his problems on the silver screen. So they last forever. And it's gross. It's gross. It's the things of nightmares. Yeah. So, I mean, basically, I, I, I let's see what other notes you have. I have, wow. I just realized that we, we have. What is that? Wow, the bicycle scene. The bicycle scene. Oh, you mean when he's riding backwards on the bicycle on the exercise bike? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I do have to say that I kind of appreciate, even though I know it's all wrapped up in a joke, I do appreciate that like Lung Duck Dong like shows up at the dance and within two seconds has a girlfriend. Oh, yeah. Because he's so interesting. And his girlfriends fly. But what yeah. is the obsession with breasts in this movie? Boobs are talked about a lot. John Hughes just clearly has the uh, the, the maturity of a 15-year-old boy. Like, that's all. That's and was all. it just the era? Like, because, like, like, Molly Ringwald's character is obsessed that she doesn't have them. It was the body part of the 80s that we were meant to believe was the most important of us. Now it's your butt. Oh, okay. Okay. Right? Just sorry. Trying to trying to keep up with how beautiful. Yeah, you know, yeah. Keep up with beautiful. the keep up with the trends of self hatred, Amy. Come on, you're slacking. Fuck. Oh, here's another note I have. Okay, this might like lighten the mood up. Why in the '80s do teenagers have headshots of their girlfriends by their bed? <laughs> right. <laughs> like it's one of those. It's like a Sears, you know, like one of those like Sears yeah. catalogs. Sears glamour Sears, shots. Glamour shots. Yes. Can I tell you that I, I have never had a boyfriend ever in my life? I am 43 years old. Right? Do we agree on that? We're 43. To ever have a framed picture of me in his house ever. Not even um, when my boyfriend lived with me, like I put up a picture of us, but like never has like any man I've dated had a picture of no, me. Like, no, like no, in their Nor house. me, and I, I think I would be scared. Actually, no, I think like it's nice. How much do we love calling a period a monthly bill? Oh my <laughs> god! Also, is there also some kind of like? 
little person fear or um some fucking shit going on there because did you notice like when they walked up first of all Ginny bride to be is for some reason wearing a Paddington raincoat and nothing else on the way in to get dressed for her wedding did you notice <laughs> that she's wearing a, a raincoat that stops at mid thigh and there's nothing she's like in her underwear in a raincoat okay oh, um and then when the mom leans in to tangina to tell her that oh, yeah. that you know her monthly bill came early the little girl the one who i find terrifying at the end of the wedding she pushes her behind her to like shield her from the scary tiny woman. No, no, it's so she doesn't what is care that? about the menstruation. Oh, 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 yeah. oh my god. Oh, is that what it is? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not little. Oh people. my god, it's this is the misogyny. The misogyny just yeah. runs so yeah. deep, it's so because disgusting. Little girls before they have their period, you can never tell them about it. They shouldn't have any clue. You know, you don't give them, you know, um. Dear God, it's me, Margaret, until they're like 11. I hate this movie. <laughs> I fucking hate it too. It's really horrific. So, so I would like rather it. shit twice and die than ever <laughs> watch this movie again. No, I mean, I do think just like the way I've seen Birth of a Nation. To you have? Oh, yeah. Seen oh. It, like the whole way through? Yeah. Oh, wow. In in film class. Oh, right, right. Okay. I didn't watch it on my own. Right. Like, what the fuck? You rented that shit? What the fuck? No, 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 no. No, I watched it. And and mind you, when we, I watched it and, you know, we had the discussion that we needed to have about it. Um, A, you know, it like one best picture, Birth of a Nation or some shit like that. And yet it was, of course, like, like, I don't know if anybody's seen it, but there's, I mean, for those people who have not seen it, it's incredibly racist. It's, it's basically the Ku Klux Klan is the hero of the film. They've got a scene in it where um, uh, Black people are voted into Congress and Congress is turned into like a crazy, like mayhem circus. And they literally have like Black men eating fried chicken and watermelon. And this is not a joke. That's no. actually what is on celluloid. Um, it's, it's just a horrible film. Well, they, while they hunt this other black man for having the audacity of approaching a white woman who then screams rape. And then, you know, that, yeah, I mean, yeah. that's, yeah. Yeah, it's grosser than gross. It's, you know, break out the steel um, scrubbers on your skin. This 16 Candles, I think, deserves to be in the same realm because there's something in it, right? So it had all these tropes that made the 1980s um, um, Zygus just jump up in joy, right? It, this is what it was to be a teenager, right? This yeah. 16 Candles was Rebel Without a Cause, just, you know, but the lighthearted version of it. And it was just, it was noted for being amazing when it came out. Like right. people loved it. Teenagers loved it you know, critics loved it, et cetera. I mean, I don't know if there's, maybe there is, like like you said, me and Sasha are not film scholars. Like maybe there is a lot of buzz in, you know, film studies about revisiting this film and, and how horrible it is. It's just, I think the pop culture needs to, you know, needs to do what we're doing right now and just like 
fucking put this where it deserves to be, which is like cancel. Sorry, I'm not. I'm not. I don't look. Cancel this fucking shit. Yeah, like you know, I've got mixed feelings about cancel culture, but if there was something that needed to be canceled, no, that's what I'm talking about. Like with like this is the the teen after school special version of Last Tango in Paris. Get the butter. Like no, no one needs to watch that ever again. Yeah, true. true, true. So yeah, we're gonna end this on um on a transatlantic flight. Huh. Um I would watch nothing if this was the only option. I would literally just sit for 11, 12 hours and and think about my life. Agreed. Um, I'd meditate on all of my life choices. I would I would look um look for answers in the trifold about the emergency exits and see, I, or look, look would, for things I that would, I've missed uh, before. You know, I'd, I'd go sky mall shopping. I would do it. I'd spend I would money. I would talk to a stranger. <laughs> you know, the whole fucking plane ride. Yeah, I, I will never watch this movie again on principle, but I think people should watch it as long as, you know, I think that, you know, I want people to watch it and maybe if enough people watch it again, we can do something about it. Like we can. We I'm can actually really mad. I'm all. now mad that we have another one that we're covering this month, that we're going to watch another John Hughes movie this month. Like, can we, can we agree yeah. to not do any more of them? I think we might have to. I mean, because I'm just like fuck weird it. science and the rest. Like, I don't, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Oh, After fuck. Ferris, like, I don't want to fucking know. To be fair, like, I am interested in watching Ferris Bueller's Day Off because I loved that movie, and I did start rewatching it a little bit. And and it, there, while there is problematic things in it, I mean, we, we've talked about it, and we'll talk about it again. Like, Ferris just ain't woke. He's just not woke, um, and it's just blaring. But like weird science and I love to, I watched it all the time when I was younger. Whereas this one, I did not watch so much. So I don't mind throwing it into the trash. I'll do it. I'll do it. And then I'm never watching another John Hughes film fucking again. I might not. I might not make you do it because God, weird science is probably like a quagmire of fucked up, horrible shit, isn't it? Man, God, somebody tell a joke. (laughs) Honestly, <laughs> this movie was so bad and like, dangerous and offensive like, and wrong. And yeah, I don't even think we should edit this episode, Amy. I think like every thought that we've had, every gasp, <laughs> every repeti- like repetition of certain things that made us disgusted are valid and everyone deserves to make it to the final print. <laughs> I, I think I think so. I think that that's the gift that we should give ourselves for having had to watch this fucking movie again is that we don't even have to re-listen to this episode. Just send it out into the world. <laughs> also very much for listening to our latest episode of Eating After Midnight. If you liked what you heard, please pop over to iTunes or whatever platform you listen to us on and leave us a review. You'd also make our day if you could follow us on Instagram at Eating After Midnight Podcast. And if you've got the time, DM us with any comments, questions, or complaints. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time. I don't, I don't, I don't even fucking know. <laughs> like avoid this movie.
<laughs> Avoid at all costs. this film. Avoid this film because we love you. That's that's our that's our until next time. Do whatever you can to not see this movie. Just trust everything you heard today as fact. <laughs>